Welcome to episode 20 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about birthright citizenship. Before we dive in, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show with your friends. If you are having a discussion about prayer, the Supreme Court, healthcare reform, gun control, the recent election, or birthright citizenship, please send your discussion partner the link to the specific episode. I would appreciate it if you would give the podcast a five-star rating in iTunes, and also consider supporting the show financially. All donations will be used to expand the reach of the show. See the show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for the link to the support page. The easiest way to stay in touch and up-to-date is to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. It is also available on Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. Finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Well, a couple weeks ago, President Trump successfully stirred up a shitstorm when he mentioned that he was considering signing an executive order ending birthright citizenship, sometimes called anchor babies. As you might expect, progressives went crazy, while Democrats and establishment Republicans denounced and or, in the case of Senator Tim Scott or outgoing Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, politely disagreed with the president. Either way, this provides us with an opportunity to examine the Constitution And being a constitutional geek that I am, I can't resist. One of the reasons I call this podcast The Truth Quest is to remind myself that my prejudices and preferences need to be left at the door. When it comes to this issue, I admittedly am opposed to the practice on principle and based on the facts as I saw them. Birthright citizenship for U.S.-born children of unauthorized aliens is not constitutionally mandated. After all, it's hard to imagine that an illegal alien who is subject to deportation can give birth to a baby and that is automatically a citizen. But I am on a truth quest, as I hope you are. This episode is a compilation of my research on the issue. Let's see where it leads. At question here is the 14th Amendment, the second of what are known as the Reconstruction Amendments, passed in the wake of the Civil War. The 13th Amendment abolished slavery. The 14th made the slaves citizens of the United States and offered equal protection. The 15th Amendment assured African Americans the right to vote. There is a duplicative phrase included in each of these amendments that reads, quote, The Congress shall have power to enforce, by appropriate legislation, the provisions of this article, end quote. This will become relevant later in the episode, so keep it in your back pocket. The relevant passage in the 14th Amendment at issue in this episode reads, All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. What this seems to mean is that people born in the United States who are subject to the jurisdiction of another country are not citizens. Babies born to foreign nationals are subject to the jurisdiction of another country, the country their parents hail from, and are therefore not citizens. I think the Tenth Amendment Center framed this issue well when they said, Although some claim that merely being born in the U.S. makes one a citizen, neither the Constitution nor the Supreme Court supports that view. The 14th Amendment further specifies that one must be subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Critical question is whether the child of a resident illegal alien meets that requirement. They go on, despite the words and actions of federal judges, the citizenship clause of the 14th Amendment did not intend to grant citizenship to children born to foreigners and aliens. A National Affairs article argued, the original Constitution was silent about immigration and the qualifications for citizenship other than a provision empowering Congress to regulate naturalization. The first mention of national citizenship in the document came in 1868 with the ratification of the 14th Amendment. 
So practically speaking, it's hard to imagine that those who wrote the 14th Amendment and the states that ratified it ever thought a pregnant foreigner who happens to be visiting the United States or living here illegally and gives birth to a baby, and that child is automatically a citizen. However, it must be noted that immigration like we have today simply was not an issue at the time of the 14th Amendment. The category of immigrant parents here in violation of U.S. law simply did not exist at the time. Some states had enacted public health requirements for immigrants, but Congress did not enact significant bans or quotas until well into the 20th century. As the National Affairs article continued, under the best reading of the Citizenship Clause of the 14th Amendment, the citizenship status of the American-born child of immigrant parents is not mandated by the Constitution. To get to the truth of this issue requires us to find the original meaning of the phrase subject to the jurisdiction thereof. As noted in that extensive National Affairs article, see the show notes page for that link. Quote, the Citizenship Clause's chief aim was to overturn Dred Scott and guarantee citizenship to all persons of African descent born on U.S. soil or naturalized here. But its guarantee of birthright citizenship to the U.S. born was not fully universal because the clause contained an opaque qualifying phrase and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, end quote. So for those of you who don't remember the Dred Scott case, it was a notorious opinion issued by the Supreme Court in 1857 that claimed that all African Americans living in, in the United States, whether, whether enslaved or not, were legally foreigners, therefore denied citizenship. The Tenth Amendment Center stated the obvious. Instead of granting citizenship to all children born to foreign aliens, the Citizenship Clause was clearly meant to reverse the Dred Scott decision. Some, like Judge Andrew Napolitano, subscribe to the argument the phrase subject to the jurisdiction thereof means subject to American judicial process and law. Tribal Indians and diplomats were not subject to either one, and therefore were outside the U.S. jurisdiction in the sense the term was used in the amendment. But aliens within the borders of the U.S., legally or illegally, are subject to both. Napolitano recently said the following on Fox News, quote, are illegals subject to the jurisdiction of the United States? Of course they are. They commit a crime, they get prosecuted. They get in an automobile accident, they can sue. They have basic human rights. They can't vote, they can't run for office, but they are subject to the jurisdiction thereof. End quote. This is unlike Napolitano, as the subject to clause requires some digging into, not necessarily taken on its face. As with most constitutional questions, when in doubt, look at the original arguments by those who wrote the amendment and look to what the state legislators thought about the amendment that they were about to ratify. To this point, an American Thinker article articulated, quote, The best way to counter these problems would be to uncover evidence that the state legislatures ratifying the 14th Amendment understood, subject to the jurisdiction thereof, to exclude foreign visitors and their children. It is the understanding of, or the meaning to, the ratifiers not the intent of the drafters that carries the most weight in constitutional questions. Fragments from constitutional debates are not only weak evidence of meaning, but relying on them may be counterproductive. So, to that point, I did not come across any commentary from ratifiers of the amendment. However, there is ample evidence of what the drafters of the amendment thought. So, for example, Senator Lehman Trubel, the co-author of the 14th Amendment, said, quote, The provision is that all persons born in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens. That means subject to the complete jurisdiction thereof. What do we mean by complete jurisdiction thereof? Not owing allegiance to anybody else. That is what it means. End quote. He went on to say, 
tribal Indians are not subject to our jurisdiction in the sense of owing allegiance solely to the United States. We have had in this country and have today a large region of country that the territorial limits of the United States is unorganized, over which we do not pretend to exercise any civil or criminal jurisdiction, where wild tribes of Indians roam at pleasure, subject to their own laws and regulations, and we do not pretend to interfere with them. They would not be embraced by this provision. End quote. Congressman John Bingham, one of the drafters of the 14th Amendment, said, quote, I find no fault with the introductory clause, which is simply declaratory of what is written in the Constitution, that every human being born within the jurisdiction of the United States of parents not owing allegiance to any foreign sovereignty is, in the language of your Constitution itself, a natural-born citizen, end quote. Some critics argue that during the debate over the amendments, the term allegiance was deliberately discarded in favor of jurisdiction, which simply meant being subject to our courts. Senator Jacob Howard, the original author of the Jurisdiction Clause, said, quote, This will not, of course, include persons born in the United States who are foreigners, aliens, who belong to the families of ambassadors or foreign ministers accredited to the government of the United States, but will include every other class of persons. He continued, the word jurisdiction, as here employed, ought to be construed so as to imply a full and complete jurisdiction on the part of the United States, coextensive in all respects with the constitutional power of the United States, whether exercised by Congress, by the executive, or by the judicial department. That is to say, the same jurisdiction in extent and quality as applies to every citizen of the United States now. Certainly, gentlemen, cannot contend that the Indian belonging to a tribe, although born within the limits of a state, is subject to this full and complete jurisdiction. The United States courts have no power to punish an Indian who is con connected with a tribe for a crime committed by him upon another member of the same tribe. Senator Rivardi Johnson of Maryland agreed, remarking that, quote, the amendment says that citizenship may depend upon birth, and I know of no better way to give rise to citizenship than the fact of birth within territory of the United States, born to parents who at the time were subject to the authority of the United States, end quote. Author Adam Freeman posed a valid question when he asked, If the framers of the 14th Amendment simply meant to say that birth was sufficient to confer citizenship, why would they add those extra words, subject to the jurisdiction thereof? End quote. Lover or hater, Ann Coulter framed this argument well when she wrote, quote, That's why the amendment refers to people who are subject to the jurisdiction of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. For generations, African Americans were domiciled in this country. The only reason they weren't citizens was because of slavery, which the country had just fought a civil war to end. The 14th Amendment fixed that. Let's examine more closely the implication of the purposeful exclusion of Native American Indians from the 14th Amendment via this subject to the jurisdiction clause. The same National Affairs article mentioned earlier argued, The context of 1868 is a key to interpreting this phrase. As mentioned earlier, the United States did not restrict immigration at that time, but did exclude several groups born on soil governed by the United States from birthright citizenship. Plainly, this phrase, subject to the jurisdiction, was meant to leave Congress with the power to regulate access to birthright citizenship for groups to whose presence or membership it did not consent. End quote. So, and remember earlier, I mentioned the phrase, the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provision of the article. That's included in each of the Reconstruction Amendments. That's where this comes in and is key. Think about it. Congress had to pass a separate law making Indians citizens. 
which it did more than half a century after the adoption of the 14th Amendment. That law is titled the Indian Citizenship Act of 1924. Why would such a law be necessary if simply being born in the United States was enough to confer citizenship? Why was this passed separately if the 14th Amendment meant anyone born in the U.S. is a citizen? Therefore, Congress could pass a law clearly defining birthright citizenship or eliminating it. The best argument against birthright citizenship is that the purpose of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were clear. They dealt with the newly freed slaves, making sure they had citizenship. So what does the Supreme Court had to say about this issue? As discussed in Episode 16, the Supreme Court offers opinions, not rulings. They have no constitutionally granted enforcement mechanism. Nonetheless, we need to pay attention to their opinions. There are three significant cases on this issue. In the Slaughterhouse case of 1873, subject to the jurisdiction therein, seemed to have been defined. Associate Justice Samuel F. Miller, writing for the majority, declared that the 14th Amendment had, quote, one pervading purpose, protection of the newly emancipated blacks. A majority of the Supreme Court mentioned in passing that the phrase subject to the jurisdiction was intended to exclude from its operation children of ministers, consuls, and citizens, or subjects of foreign states born within the United States. In Elkin v. Wilkins, 1884, the court held that the tribal member born on a reservation who then moved to live among the white citizens of the state was not a birthright citizen because he was born within a tribe. In the United States first Wong Kim Ark in 1898, the court found that a child born to legal permanent residents of the United States who were gainfully employed and were not employed by a foreign government was to be considered a citizen. One more piece of SCOTUS trivia related to this topic is an idiotic footnote written by Justice Brennan in 1982's Plyler v. Doe, where he asserted that, quote, no plausible distinction with respect to the 14th Amendment's jurisdiction can be drawn between resident aliens whose entry into the United States was lawful and resident aliens whose entry was unlawful, end quote. Right, no distinction other than the fact that one of them is unlawfully in the country? This is another perfect example of the corruptive nature of SCOTUS opinions that I outlined in episode 16. is another example of death by a million bad precedents. Based on the evidence, I think the common sense and logical answer about birthright citizenship is that it's not constitutional. You cannot walk over the border, give birth, and voila, that baby is a citizen of this country. But I would be a hypocrite if I did not examine the evidence. Hell, I spent half of the time on my podcast bashing liberals and progressives for their lack of common sense and logic. Most of the evidence suggests that the 14th Amendment simply was not clearly written, especially when it comes to the subject to the jurisdiction thereof clause. This issue needs to be addressed either through legislation or a good old-fashioned constitutional amendment that clarifies the language of the 14th Amendment. Unfortunately, the writers of this amendment were accidentally vague. They did not look beyond their immediate charge of addressing the citizenship issue of former slaves. Unfortunately, immigration like we have today simply was not an issue at the time of the 14th Amendment. Therefore, it is virtually impossible to argue that the 14th Amendment grants children of the illegals birthright citizenship. It is also impossible to say that the amendment denies it. The fact that Native Americans were excluded does show the amendment's intent to differentiate or discriminate based on who you are and where you came from, or at least where your parents came from. The elephant in the room when it comes to illegal immigration in general and birthright citizenship in particular is welfare. The current welfare system exacerbates this problem by encouraging welfare immigration. 
as the American-born child and his parents are entitled to receive benefits. One possible policy shift that might alleviate this problem is to declare no welfare benefits and certainly no ability to vote for anyone who entered the country illegally. The dirty little secret is first-generation immigrants tend to vote Democratic somewhere in the neighborhood of 80% of the time. So denying them the ability to vote as punishment for illegally entering the country counters Democrats' efforts to encourage illegal immigration and pushing for an amnesty. However, many establishment Republicans are under a lot of pressure to bring in cheap labor for their so-called Chamber of Commerce lobbyists. So there is no will in D.C. to address this problem. One thing that is clear is the Constitution does not grant birthright citizenship to the children of illegal immigrants, and it is well within Congress's purview to write and pass a law to fix the problem once and for all. As mentioned earlier, Congress has in the past enacted quotas and bans on immigration, so there is no reason to assume they cannot weigh in on birthright citizenship. Section 5 of the 14th Amendment clearly states this fact. Congress shall have the power to enforce, by appropriate legislation, the provisions of this article. I will leave you with one final thought from John Eastman, dean of the Chapman University Law School, who said, quote, The notion that the framers of the 14th Amendment, when seeking to guarantee the right of citizenship to the former slaves, also sought to guarantee citizenship to the children of enemies of the United States who were in our territory illegally, is simply too absurd to be credible interpretation of the citizenship clause. So, what are we to make of this issue? Can a pregnant woman parachute into the United States territory, give birth, and have her child declared a citizen? If you are interested in reading more on this topic, please see the show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com where I included links to over a dozen resources. As always, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. 